0: I've went back to my, my other headphones.
1: Your shitty cheap ones or your Aye, good ones? Aye. No,
0: my, my shitty ch- cheap ones because I broke my good ones.
1: How dare you disconnect from me?
0: I, uh, I <laughs> d- 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 didn't think I touched anything either. There's nothing worse than being too high when you're doing a podcast, eh? <laughs> How come you're off?
1: I've taken two weeks holiday.
0: All right, okay. I've right,
1: had time to use up, so.
0: Lucky, lucky you.
1: <laughs> I'm not like you Dave I've never had <laughs> holidays the last two years so
0: That's like, that's like sacrilege in my house Taking time <laughs> off and no, no going anywhere That's like absolutely sacrilege I
1: think they were maybe swingers <laughs> Aye It was like fucking Wisteria Lane in your street for a while <laughs> You're um, a bit scratchy again with your microphone oh,
0: scratchy. That'll be my. Yep. That'll be my bushy beard Derek
1: what oh, was your fucking beard? Just... <laughs> I'm sure I've used that joke before as well.
0: You yeah, have, right, right.
1: So we'll now go down the tunnel and no, we won't. What? We'll...
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it.
1: Let's go. Manchester,
2: brace yourself.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave?
0: I'm fine Derek. I've calmed down now from the weekend. I was extremely, extremely annoyed on Sunday, which we'll, we'll get into in a wee while. But I've, I've finally calmed down and looking forward to our game tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were going to have a really, really positive podcast for yep. it, after that yep. Dortmund game, and they just drag us right back yep. down every single time.
0: I was actually contemplating t- texting you to say, "Are you sure you're wanting to do the podcast <laughs> now after Rangers ruined, <laughs> ruined with what we were going to do originally?" So, but uh, no, no, we're here, Derek. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. It's, uh, I mean, this is their second podcast in the space of a week that we've done but that's just what happens with the amount of games that we've got uh, flying at us at the moment so uh, I will get into it an absolutely incredible game and an absolutely frustrating shit game to speak about so
1: (laughs) yes so we better go down the tunnel and onto the pitch So, the first game we've got to cover. What a game it was, Dave. It was Thursday the 24th of February. It was a two-each draw at home to Dortmund in Europa League last 32, leg two, and we won 6-4 in aggregate. Simply phenomenal.
0: Incredible, Derek. The game itself, which you're about to get into, was the old football saying, a game of two halves. It was quite an incredible game of football to watch. I don't think my heart can take... Watching games like that, it was fantastic in the end, it was nail-biting, it had all the drama, it had absolutely everything and the euphoria in the second half as well, so I'll let you get into it Derek because it was a sensational night. Yes,
1: so it was the same team that lined up against Dortmund the previous week and that was one change from the Dundee United game which was Barisic in for Hellander who wasn't obviously in the Euro squad. So we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, launched from Jack, Aribo, Arfield, Kent and Morales On the subs bench were McLaughlin, McCrory, Balogun, King, Davis, Kamara, Sands, Lowry, Ahmad, Wright, Roof and Sakala. So certainly a, a big, big bench there but delighted with that team straight away.
0: Yep. As I say, it was a team that had done the business the week before Derek. So uh, you know, at home we were brimming with confidence when we saw the line up.
1: And by the time the full time whistle was there, I was brimming as well, Dave. <laughs> 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 oh dear, trust you a lot over, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. so really in the first half as we expected Dortmund going for it from minute one and they were the far better team there's no getting away for it as you would kind of expect with their quality not to say that it was backs against the wall to be honest well certainly for the first 40 minutes that is they had some chances with McGregor having to make some good saves they had most of the possession and we were getting pegged back and they were right on us as soon as we got the ball so really kind of as we expected wasn't it
0: it was Derek. We, we weren't expecting them because I mean, they had won the previous game in Germany by six goals to nil. So we knew that they were coming out to try and score goals. They wanted to stamp their authority in the game early. Uh, and we knew that it was we were going to have to be very controlled because they were coming out because they had a, a bit of a point to prove, I, I thought anyway. So yeah. uh, we knew it was going to be tough.
1: Just before kick-off, though, there was a wee bit of trouble, though, with the fans at the segregation line. Uh, apparently some Dortmund fans charged at our fans. Three fans arrested, not sure which side they were for. There was also a bit of a, a smoke mist over Ibrox as well as kick-off happened because the Germans had lit off flares. However, added to the atmosphere, we were quite happy with it. And the fourth minute, there was a chance from Dortmund. There was a corner in from the right to the back post. Morelos tries to header it. Completely misses. Bounces right in front of Bellingham, who hit it off his shin and off the post. We tried to clear. Went back to Dortmund. Crossed in from the left side. The ball bounces out of play. Weirdly, nothing given, even though it was well out of play. All our defenders stop. The ball ricochets off a few players and eventually cleared. I mean, the replay clearly shown that it was clearly out of play. Yeah. once again, poor linesmanship there. But ultimately, though, poor defending, all from the set piece, and and we never played to the whistle again.
0: Exactly, Derek. And again, it was just it was it was one of these things, as you say, un, under the cosh straight away. We looked very shaky. I mean, we've been talking about like the standard, of defending, and and clear our lines, but there was there was like twice in in that sort of section of play that I thought that we could have cleared the ball quite easily. As you say, we didn't clear our lines. We almost paid for it, it looked a bit shambolic at the back and that's when I thought well, we're really going to be up against it tonight at that stage.
1: Yep. 17th minute, Dortmund with a shot from inside the box, deflected for a corner. 18th minute, a corner was initially cleared but Dortmund managed to pick the ball back up, play to the left side, played forward to their attacker who has a turn and a shot outside the box but it went well wide. And then in the 21st minute, those three words you absolutely love to hear penalty to Rangers, Dortmund gave the ball away on the right hand side, we got the ball to Kent on the left, he cuts inside the box, turns to go outside and as he was actually trying to run out the box with the ball, he was tripped a stonewall penalty every day you like
0: Yep, it was Derek and it was a a section of play it was probably about the first time that we had managed to get up towards their their box, Derek, that's what I think kind of shocked us because as you say Kent wasn't going di- directly towards goal. He, he was trying to sort of move, move away, possibly get a cross of that in. But again, we'll take it. It was it was a clear penalty. He completely took him out of play. And as you say, our three favourite words in the whole of the world.
1: Yep. <laughs> and up steps Tavernier on the twenty-second minute, sends it down the middle. Keeper dives to the right. Brilliant penalty by Tavernier again.
0: Yep, tremendous Derek, really, really pleased and at that stage we've now got a three-goal lead against Borussia Dortmund everybody's thinking surely they're not going to come back for this it's not going to be as close anymore because we've got that goal cushion. I was thinking before the game, if we can leave and get one goal here, we'll be doing fine and that'll be us on easy street. But it wasn't to be for the rest of the, that half, was it, Derek?
1: No, certainly not. 25th minute Dortmund with a blistering shot in the box. It was a great save by McGregor. He didn't need to move, but he had to be quick with his reactions for that one there. So it was good yeah. to see again. And then it started to go Pete Tong on the 31st minute because Jude Bellingham scored a goal to make it one one on the, on the night, the ball was played into the box from the right. Goldson sticks his foot out, goes right to Bellingham, who was with him at the time, and he slots it to the side of McGregor. Absolute pish poor from Goldson there. If you've got to do that, you've got to go in full blooded, not just some silly wee flick out of your leg. Poor,
0: very poor, Derek. And they slotted it away with ease. I think that was what was really bad about it at the time, as you say. We were expecting a much a harder, hundred percent tackle there. It just made it so so easy for him, and he, he slotted it past McGregor as if he wasn't there. It was like something out of training, Derek. When you know players aren't going sort of full blown in, in each other, and you know they try the wee flicks and things like that. Just far far too easy for them. That's 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 what I remember for that.
1: Yeah, however we had a chance to ultimately bury the game again because four minutes later on the 35th minute it was lovely from Jack using his strength to win the ball in midfield, gets to the box slides it to Arfield who takes it into the box further, he really should have squared it but he tries to shoot and the keeper gets a block to it, it rebounds off the defender and then out to Morelos who has a blistering rocket of a shot and it was off the line from the defender, really unlucky there from Morelos but what was Arfield thinking about, look up, square it and then you've got to tap into the net again how many times are we going to do this?
0: <laughs> no, it gave it a bite us in the backside. Danadice on the Sunday before when it comes to just you know, having a wee look up. They're, they're always, we always seem to have a man on their own, completely unmarked, ready to tap the ball into the net. And we never ever seem to take that option, Derek. Really frustrating. Arfield saw the glory, it didn't come off, and as you say, but uh, Alfredo really un- unlucky as well. And a good sort of goal line clearance for them because it was an absolute bl- blistering shot that he had, which, you know, in any other day would have probably uh, hit the back of the net as well, but it uh, wasn't to be.
1: No. And then a minute later, Dortmund go right up the park and hit a blistering shot with McGregor making an outstanding save to put it out for the corner. The resulting corner comes in and off the arm of Goldson. There were claims, but his arm was clearly down by his side, so definitely not a penalty. But it was a great save from McGregor right there. Yeah. However, the work was undone because in the 42nd minute, Dortmund made it 2-1. The ball was in from the right. Goldson sticks a shitey leg out to try and clear it, much like his first first attempt for the first goal. Flicks off his leg to the far post. The Dortmund player picks it up, crosses it back in on the deck and more or less a simple tap-in. So a comedy of errors right there. All down to the fact that Goldson he stick a bloody leg out properly and clear the ball.
0: Yeah, unfortunately it is uh, something that we're seeing a lot of and uh, we'll be talking about it again with the next game c- coming up as well. Really poor and just making it really easy f- for them to score, Derek. That's the most frustrating thing for me. Making it so easy for the opposition attackers to get in and score. Really poor and just before that, I was watching and I thought, if we can hold out to half-time, 1-1, we'll be doing well. And then they scored at that stage, Derek. And I'll be really honest with you, I was fearing, fearing the worst at that point because the way that we were playing then, the way that Dortmund were playing, the fact that we were given them, you know, m- making it so easy for them, it, in the box especially, I thought we were in for a hiding in the second half. I really did.
1: Yeah, I think everybody did and that was yep. uh, the big worry and you thought, right, that's the momentum swung now. 45th minute, big chance from Dortmund getting the ball on the left the boy drops his shoulder, cuts it back our defender slides in and they shank it wide to, at the near post if they had played across the goal rather than trying to, to be clever then it was in completely living dangerously at that point because if they had pulled it back to the aggregate score being level then I think we were on for a, hi- a hiding definitely. Yeah. 47th minute a long ball lobbed into our box, the attack got a shot off and McGregor grabbed the ball in midair and that's when half-time came so they were very dangerous we needed to really slow the game down and get possession because we're losing possession every single time cut out our mistakes at the back as well that was the big thing we yeah. have shown that on the rare occasion that when we got forward we can create our own danger we knew their defence was a bit weak and at that point as, as we all thought it was going to be a very very long second half However, we did make a change on, at half time with Barisic coming off and Baligan coming on. Now, he did take a knock in the knee maybe about 10 minutes before half time. However, Van Bronkers did say that it was more tactical, so I don't know if that had anything to play at all on it. McCoyst in the commentary said that we switched to a five at the back. Van Bronkers said we did switch to a three at the back, but to me, when we were defending, it was five. When we were breaking, it was three. I don't know if you picked that up, Dave.
0: I actually didn't. Derek, to be perfectly honest, I was just un- under the impression that it was a straight swap with Balligan going in, a centre half and Bassey go- going out on the left hand side. I know that, that Lundström looked as if he was playing further back, but just in front of the defence. But I never picked up on that one at all, to be perfectly honest with you.
1: However... It worked absolute wonders yeah. because we were a different team in the second half and I don't think Dortmund really done anything at all of note. I will get into it though. However, despite that, we had an early scare on the 49th minute because McGregor passed out to Balligan at the edge of the box. Now, Balogun was actually facing the goal. He had no a clue that he was being closed down quite quickly and McGregor still passed to him. I mean, utter ridiculous from McGregor there. He was the one who was in control of that. He knew Balikin was getting closed down. Why pass him at the edge of the box when there was no other defenders there? It was absolutely ludicrous decision there from McGregor and we got, got away with that one there.
0: Yeah, definitely Derek, yep.
1: Not the first time we're going to mention mistakes no, from Oh
0: no, don't.
1: Just after that as well, there was a long ball up from our defence down the right. Morelis outmuscles the defender. Morelis drives it forward, cuts in and has a shot at the near post and the keeper makes a save from the corner. The corner came in, clear to Jack just outside the box at the far post and has a half volley but it went well over the bar. 56 minute, a lovely reverse ball by Jack on the left to Ken. Drives it forward, cuts inside, tries to shoot but goes out to Morelis on the right side who has a shot and forces a save from the keeper as well certainly, we're getting closer, we're getting the yeah. chances, we're getting more possession. that's what yeah. we wanted to see, we were still ultimately in control of the game for the fact that we we're a go-ahead on aggregate, so it was all still for them to do, so brilliant from us so far.
0: Yeah, and you, you could see already, that you know, the, the other wee tweak that he made at half-time by bringing in Ryan Kent more in, into the centre to sort of support Morelos, you could see how well that they were linking up at that stage, Derek, and that was the sort of start of us getting our foot on the ball and forcing the players, you you know, ourselves. It was just from that passage of play that you just described there.
1: Yeah. However, on the 57th minute, absolute dreamland because we made it two each with Tavernier scoring and it meant 6-4 on aggregate. Now, what was amazing at this, and I never picked it up at the time, is the move started with Tavernier on the right-hand side when there was a long ball played out to him. It looked as if it was going out and it was a touch of the gods it really was how he managed to pick that ball out with his right foot from mid and control it spin round past his player pass it inwards pass down to the left hand side bassy has got it he was getting harried all the way He's shown some outstanding strength. He gets to the touchline past his defender. Plays a great cross in. It was missed by the the defender and also Morellas Right to the back post for Tavernier, who kind of does a half volley, a kind of bicycle kick, half volley type thing into the back of the net. What a goal, Dave.
0: Derek, if if you actually think about it, the goal that started at right back was played to our left back on the left wing. The speed and the power that Bassey showed to just to get onto that ball to give him a chance. But if you think about the ground that Tavernier has covered to get into the box to the back post, is absolutely sensational. And as you say, the move was tremendous to start off with, but then the ball over and picked up by Bassey. To get in, it was just a fantastic cross, and then the the, the finish at the end by Tavernier, absolutely tremendous. The, the whole goal was was fantastic. The athleticism shown by the two of them, incredible, and you know the atmosphere at Ibrox was absolutely sensational at, at, at that point. For us to be thinking the worst, Derek, to draw it back level, but not only draw it back level. To be deserved to be have drawn it back level at that stage was just absolutely tremendous from us. Super.
1: Yeah. I mean, we were on top at that point. As I said earlier on, as I don't think. Dortmund had anything really apart from that first wee chance there we were on top all the way yep. and it was a, I mean considering how the first half went they were yeah. they were absolutely obliterating us yep. our defence was so shaky the fact that we changed it it was a tactical masterclass and the yes, players were just definitely. pulling they were pulling their way all the way and it was fantastic to see so at this point two goals in advantage half an hour still to play a lot of football anything can happen 63rd minute Dortmund gets into the the box on the left and they ran the ball out 64th minute from the McGregor kick out, he gave it right to Bellingham passes to the right side of the box in space Balogun with an outstanding tackle he put the player off and eventually yeah. cleared just fantastic from Balogun as, as yep. well McGregor once again, what was he playing us? Yes, I
0: know, I know, it's like the lapse in concentration Derek, that we would have never got from McGregor a few years ago, it was it was incredible He had a, a few, which you've mentioned all, all the, all already, which you know Really, really lucky to to get away with that one, especially.
1: Yeah, and then, Dave, I, I'm still absolutely astounded by this one. On the 66 minute, we had a goal ruled out by VAR. That would have making it three uh, two to us on the night, seven four to us on aggregate. Absolute scandalous decision. It was Kent who ended up scoring it, but there was a pass backwards from from the Dortmund midfielder to the defender. It was a slack pass. Morales robs the defender. Now, Morelis' foot was down. There was no contact whatsoever by Morelis. However, the boy goes down. Morelis gets it forward, basically 2v0. Kent was running alongside. Morelis really, really unselfishly squared it to Kent for a tap-in. There was a lengthy var check after... Protests from the the Dortmund bench and the referee rules it a foul. Now, absolute joke of a decision because we the the TV cameras showed exactly what the referee was looking at, and yep. not all angles were shown to the referee. Yes, there is no point in having VAR if they're not going to show all angles. And as what the the replay shown later on in the game from the from the back it's shown that the Dortmund player actually kicked Morelos yes. and lost his balance from there. And it got ruled a foul against us. Now, there was only one journalist, and I don't know who he works for, but he's apparently since deleted the tweets, said that it's a new UEFA rule that's, that came in this year or last year, that if a player is a mid-kick, is about to kick the ball, and a player comes across him, And even if he kicks the player, it's still ruled a foul to the kicking player, not the actual attacker. Now, considering he's the only journalist who said that and he's deleted his tweets now, I seem to think that that rule is utter bollocks or it's never used.
0: (laughs) It doesn't make any sense either, to be perfectly honest with you, no. Derek. It sounds absolutely ridiculous.
1: Plus as well, and I don't know if, if you can read into body language uh, much here, but the referee was shaking his head as he was watching the, the footage as well, and it was a shrug of the shoulders. It's almost as if that he was getting told no, you need to give that as a foul. That's the it that's was, the impression you, you get from it.
0: You touched upon it all already, Derek. We were able to watch it from about three or four different angles. And in three out of the four angles, it clearly shows that Morelos wins the ball and the Dortmund defender actually fouls or kicks Morelos uh, the other way. But the only view that the referee watched was the one that looked a wee bit inconclusive. And even then... I thought it looked clear that Morelos had uh, had won the ball clearly. And that's what incensed me. Just exactly what you said there. Why does the referee or did he not get access to the other angles which would clearly have shown that that goal should have stood and that Morelos won the ball clearly? Absolutely incensed. To be fair to the commentators, to to, to Ali McCoyst and Alec Ray, they were absolutely incensed as well. Derek, it was a clear, clear goal. It should have stood. Incredible that we've got VAR and it didn't. You know, show exactly what had happened there. Really, really puzzling. And uh, I still can't actually explain it. And I, I don't know if the referee was spoken to after the game to ask. You know, these questions, why that didn't happen, I honestly don't know. But we were all incensed at that stage because we were well up and that would have put us on easy street at that point.
1: I mean, I don't think there's anybody afterwards, any pundit at all, has said that that, should, that shouldn't have stood. Everybody said that that's, that was a clear goal yep. and a joke of a decision as well. So uh, really interesting to see how UEFA view that one. Because as I said, if you're not going to see every single angle, what's the point of VAR? Because apparently exactly. in, in rugby, they give every single angle as well. So
0: It's the same with American foot, football, Derek. It's every single angle slow-mo, everything that you can think of, you know, to try and get the decision. So why the hell is it not like that for football as well?
1: Because this is not meant to happen, Dave.
0: (laughs) Fucking unbelievable.
1: Anyway, just after that, or Jordan Navarcek, Arfield came off and Kamara on uh, on the 69th minute. 74th minute, the ball played long to Kent going forward. Only one player with him. Kent overhits it just before the box and Dortmund clear it. Poor from Kent there, but granted he had a lot to do because he picked the ball up from the halfway line and, and ran. So unlucky that there. 78th minute it was a claim for a penalty when Goldson lobbed the ball into the box from the right. Tavernier running into the box and a slight touch by the defender correctly given uh, for me because there was not enough contact 80th minute was across from Dortmund on the left and the header over the bar 91st minute, sensational from Kent on the left at the halfway line taking on two players, driving it forward and hitting a shot but saved by the keeper and that's how the game ended up just absolutely incredible. I mean, the noise, and even just from the cameras, the commentator I can't remember his name, but he was a breath of fresh air. I can't imagine Robin McLean kind of coming away with some of the stuff that he did. He seemed genuinely excited for yep. what has just happened there. The fans stayed for God knows how long, just absolutely incredible. And do you know what was funny, Dave, from round about the Sixty fifth. Just when that third goal went in, I thought, here we go. I know we're two goals up at this point in aggregate. I was shaken. I couldn't I couldn't watch half of it because I was still so nervous because this would be typical Rangers getting robbed in Europe. But fortunately we saw it out and really Dortmund done absolutely nothing in that second half.
0: It was a incredible performance, Derek. Hats off to Gio for changing it, changing his tactics, a few wee tweaks, like I said. Bringing Kent more into the centre to link up with Morelos was a master stroke because every time that Rangers got the ball and we attacked both of those players, I thought Morelos was tremendous, Derek. I thought his hold-up play, his link-up play was fantastic. He's Body strength, tremendous. Ryan Kent was fantastic in the second half as well. A total menace to their defence. Every time he got the ball, he looked as if he was going to cause them major problems. But the whole team in the second half, Derek, fantastic. Bringing in... Balogun for me as well was huge because it just shored up the shaky defence. There was no nonsense at all there for, for from Balogun. A bit like Derek and I, you know, we go back to the game against Celtic in the second half. When Balogun came on and, and, and Jack came on, you know, we we controlled the game. It was a bit like that, but obviously a much better outcome for us. But that's what I do like about Van Bronckhurst, is the fact that he can change it when things aren't going great and uh, it was just a, f- a phenomenal performance Derek with none of us there's not one rangers fan out there that i know that i've spoke to who thought that we were going to get past Borussia Dortmund to get into the next round it's an incredible achievement for everything that we've been through in the last 11 years that for me was the you know the biggest result we've had we've had some incredible european nights under Stephen Gerrard but that one tops it for me it was fantastic it was great that all the fans were in the stadium to witness it as well and it just shows that when we are on our game Derek we are right up there with the best teams in Europe and and we proved it and I think that's just what's so frustrating that we can go from that incredible performance to the games that we've played in the league as well, you know, after it. But as I say, we're going to be talking about that for years. We'll be remembering it for years. It was just tremendous. Everybody was in a total high after it and looking forward to whoever we were going to play in the next round. It was, It was just tremendous
1: yeah I mean just absolutely incredible all that's been said was that or best ever European performance then yeah, it's really hard to argue against because if you look at the, the, the Lyon game as much as that was incredible it was obviously it was in the group stages and we were under the cosh for most of that game obviously Parma again it was a two-legged affair really nervy when we went over there certainly it was the best two-legged affair we've ever had I think but just overall that performance the first first game as well just absolutely amazing it's it's one of these moments that you're going to always remember where you are when you were watching that game because it is like these games the 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 Leon the Parma all the all these type of games just incredible
0: for old codgers like myself Derek the Leeds United games home and away for me still are the top ones that I have witnessed in my lifetime the performance there and the result is there is certainly up there with that one but maybe just not. Not quite as important as that game was the two legs against the English champions, but certainly, Derek, in the last 20-odd years, that's certainly the top result and top performance against an incredible team. So, absolutely fantastic. Yes.
1: So we drew in the last 16, bearing in mind this is the third year in a row we've got into the last 16, we've drawn Red Star Belgrade. So yeah. certainly it doesn't really matter who we get, I think. It was probably the best team we could have got out of the lot of them. Just You can never take them lightly. You could argue the fact that we've taken the two Czechs teams lately in the last, last couple of yeah. years, and look how that turned out.
0: Exactly. You've took the words out of my mouth, Derek. When we were in the same stage last year we got Slavia Prague. I was very confident that we were going to beat them and make progress, and that didn't work out. So I certainly will not be taking this one lightly. On paper, it looks as if we've got a fantastic draw, but we know o- o- over there in, in their stadium it's going to be very hostile. Anything can happen. We just have to go in with the same mindset that we went in when we played Dortmund, and you know, hopefully they'll get the job done.
1: Yes, so... We'll get into when that that game is later. However, we've got to cover, unfortunately now, Sunday the 27th of February, it was a two-each draw at home to Motherwell (sighs) in the the Premiership. So we made two changes from Dortmund. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Lundström, Bassey, Kamara, Arfield, Aribo, Sakala, Ken and Morelos. On the subs bench, we had McLaughlin, Zukowski, Baligan, Barisic, Sands, Lowry, Ahmad, Wright and Roof.
0: Now, straight away, Derek... John Lundstrom being played as a central defender.
1: I have absolutely no issues with that because it was fine in the first half. We'll get into the issues because one of them partially stemmed from him but there was a lot of defending to do after that.
0: The issue that I have is the guy's been playing extremely well in midfield and Leon Balogun was on the bench. So that that's the issue I've got. Not for the fact that anything to do with, with having a go at John Lundstrom, but why take a guy out in midfield who had been playing so well in there, put him to a position that he's not his natural position when we have a centre central defender, arguably our best fit central defender that we've got at the moment, on the bench, and put him in. As soon as I saw it, I was completely baffled by it but I thought to myself this is mother well it's at home so whatever it is we'll, we'll trust the manager and, and we'll see what happens so I was just a bit flabbergasted that Balogun wasn't in the starting 11 and Lundstrom was wasn't playing in his natural position in the middle of the park
1: well The first half, anyway, was very, very comfortable and dominant. Played in the Motherwell half, regaining the ball as soon as we lost it, which really wasn't often. And if it wasn't for two fantastic saves from the Motherwell keeper, then it would have been 4-0. Motherwell offered absolutely nothing they were as I said sitting really right back in the defensive area there was a chance for us on the second minute where Tavernier lobs the ball into the box from the right Morales with a good touch to control and then toe pokes at goal bound but it hit off the top of the bar so really unlucky that there on the seventh minute it was a short corner from us on the left knocked the Tavernier at the the corner of the box and has a fantastic curling shot it was going into the top right corner but the keeper pulled out a fantastic save to put it out for the corner there is the resulting corner was knocked away but only to the edge of the box, knocked back to Tavanya, who floated in across into the middle, and Lundstrom with a header wide. On the eighteenth minute, another great save, and it was an absolute worldie this time because the corner in from the left played out to Lundstrom at the edge of the box, and he has a stunning shot going in all the way, and the keeper yep. pulled out a fantastic diving save. I said at that point, this is going to be one of these days, isn't it? Where the keeper's going to pull out you know, worldy after worldy. However, we did make the breakthrough four minutes later because in the 22nd minute, Morelos made it 1-0. We're knocking about ball about well, gets the ball to Kent on the right, he floats the ball in, either hit off the head of Morelos or hit off the head of Mugabe. Morelos was claiming it, RTV gave it as an OG, I don't care how they go in, as long as they go in.
0: Yep, great timing to score, Derek. As you say, we had been knocking on the door for some time and great for us to get off the mark at that stage.
1: Absolutely. And then we weren't finished because a minute later we made it 2-0 with Sakala scoring on the twenty-third. Kent was on the left, shimming into the box past two players. He crossed it in, flicked off a defender, and bounced to the far side for an unmarked Sakala who drills it into the back of the net. Brilliant.
0: Great finish as well, Derek. You know, that's what that's what we like about Sakala. He's very direct. It can sometimes be a wee bit er- erratic when he's shooting, but that certainly was on point and an absolutely fantastic
1: goal. 37th minute, there was a penalty claim for us where the ball bounced and it hit off the top of the arm of the Motherwell defender. Yep. The arm was down by his side, so in my opinion, correct decision not to yep. give it. A lot of people believe that should have been a penalty. I'm not one of them.
0: Going by the new rules, Derek, and the, the way that I interpret Like you, it was down at his side. I was just a bit disappointed (laughs) that the referee saw it like that and didn't give us the penalty, to be perfectly honest with you. But that was me just with my blue-tinted glasses on. But I can understand why it wasn't given.
1: And then in the half at some point, I can't remember when it was, there was a 50-50 with Goldson and one of their attackers near our box. Goldson came off worst with the studs to his calf. A yellow card was given. Some people were claiming it was a red, but again, no for me. I thought it was a 50-50. Yeah. You know, both were had their studs high. It just so happened that the way the angle went in, the, the, their player caught them. Yep. A yellow card, correct decision. Yeah. So really delighted with the first half. Yes. An easy streak at this point. Keep up the high tempo and the work rate and try and get the goal difference down. However, Dave, <laughs> we were a shambles in the second half. Weren't yep. we?
0: Total and utter disaster in the second half, Derek
1: we just completely switched off and we couldn't kill the game i mean i really don't want to do a lot of it but it was just shambolic really we'd taken the foot off the gas we sat back We had a few chances here and there. Nothing is clear cut. Motherwell, clearly, they made a few changes. I think they made two changes at halftime and they kept on continuing to make changes throughout the game as well when they were on the ascendancy. Their players looked far more up for it and they eventually they got the goal on the 52nd minute. It was really out of nothing. As much as they were on the ascendancy, they still weren't doing much with it. But Motherwell down the right after a bad pass from Lundström, he tried to pass it to Bassey, I think it was. Both Bassey couldn't muscle his way back in there. The attacker got past Lundstrom as well. There was a cross in and all the attacker had to do was tap it into an empty net because there was a mix up between Goldson and McGregor. I don't know what either of them were thinking. Maybe Goldson was waiting on a shout for McGregor to come for it or McGregor was waiting for Goldson to get it. I really don't know, but it was utterly bollocks from both of them.
0: The way that I saw it, Derek, was sheer lack of communication by both of them McGregor thought that Goldson was going for it, Goldson thought McGregor was going for it, that is purely down to communication Derek, really poor goalkeeping, defending you know basics there one person shouts for it and makes sure it's their ball. Neither of the two of them did, and they just kind of looked at each other as the motherboard player walked in Derek and tapped the ball into an empty net. Really embarrassing defending. I really, honestly, as soon as I saw it, I thought that is absolutely shambolic by the two of them. As you say, all from their own doing, from the, the the misplaced pass to start off with, but so easy for Muller to score that goal. It was criminal, Derek. It really was criminal.
1: I mean, the whole point is, the keeper should have command of his box. Now, Goldson, he's either just got to override them and just go right through the keeper or the keeper's got to go right through Goldston if he's not getting out of the way. One of the two. At the end of the day, if you take out your own player, it's not a penalty. And this is a feature we're going to see because when was the last time you've seen McGregor dive for a ball, especially dive at the feet for a ball? We'll park that there because there's other issues there as well. On the 55th minute, we thought we had regained the two-goal cushion because the ball was in the back of the net with a header from Morelos after a great cross from Kent and it was offside. A lot of people saying it wasn't offside. Sorry, it was offside for me. There was just in it, it was just offside, but just offside is still offside. Mm-hmm. And again, on the 67th minute, we thought we had the ball in the back of the net with, again with Morelos, but again... For me, it was a correct decision. It was a stunning through ball to him, one touch and a shot. It does show Mugabe's got his foot on the line and Morellis's foot is behind the line, but Morellis is leaning forward. So the most legal part of his body that can score is his head which to me appears over the line which would mean he's offside now a lot of people are saying that well the referee or the linesman's got to give the advantage but then if the referee if the linesman has seen that as offside then well what can you do about that there is an issue though that rangers aren't getting any of these very close yes call bohair decisions that is an That's a completely other conversation about referees. We know what referees are like. It's very easy not to give a decision for us, and it's very easy to give a decision for Celtic. But, for me, this was offside. It was a ball here, in it, But it was still offside. The discussion about referees and linesmen giving decisions against us so easily, that's another discussion.
0: I was really in two minds about the goal, Derek, because I do understand what you're saying, and you know, you're saying that his his head was certainly off, off off side as well. It was too close for me to call. To be perfectly honest with you, I was absolutely raging. It wasn't given. No, and as I say, the RTV replays aren't great. I thought it was too close. To call to say that it wasn't a goal and I, w- I was really annoyed but at the same stage Derek I just had that feeling that it wasn't going to be our day so I was half expecting it if you know what I mean because I was just waiting on Motherwell going up and equalise I just knew at that stage that it was going to happen regardless if we had the ball in the, in the back of the net or not so I was expecting it not to because I just knew it was going to be one of the days that it wasn't going to go our way
1: no. I mean that that's the thing is the, the linesman and referee has got to give the advantage if he's he's unsure if the linesman's unsure mm-hmm. about something. And I know what people are saying biased referees and all that but if the ref if the linesman has seen that as offside well he can only go by yeah it's offside has he made a mistake? Well for me it's it's, it's just and as I've said if the linesman is not going by the rules of the the game in terms of giving the advantage to the attacker if he's unsure about it then Yes, that's an obviously another an story altogether, but I just think people are too quick sometimes. I mean, if you think it's 50-50 with a still image, you've got to remember that the linesman has seen that in real time. And it might have looked, with the pace of the ball, with the pace of Morellis, it might have looked a lot more offside than it was. Especially when you think about the way the offsides are, the linesman's got to be cockeyed. <laughs>
0: Okay. So, no. <laughs> so, uh, again, though, at this stage of the game, Derek, because of how badly we had been in defence and we had taken our foot right off the off the gas, I was kind of expecting it that it was going to happen because I just knew, like I said before, it was going to be one of these games that the that, that, that nothing was going to go our way, and unfortunately, that was to be the case.
1: Yes. No Long after that, 74th minute, there was a short corner from the left to Kent. He blasts the ball just inside the box and it's saved by the keeper. Keeper didn't have to move, but he was alert. And as we expected, what was going to happen just the way they were playing on the 76th minute. Motherwell equalized to make it two each. There was a long ball floated in from the right to the far side. Taverney and Goldson are just, I'm still baffled about what the hell they were doing, and even worse. There was a shot at close range past McGregor at the near post. Now, McGregor had narrowed the angle yep. and I still don't know how the attacker got it past yep. the, the, the right leg of McGregor and find that wee gap. It was just the tiniest of gaps ever. McGregor should have never, ever be getting beat at that side. Again, he never dived for the ball at all. He actually he had his legs open a bit and he just actually moved his legs inward. And he bent them inward. See if he had just kept his legs the way they were, the ball would have ricocheted off his legs. I don't know what he was thinking, but more importantly, though, Tavernier and Goldson, what were they playing at? Once again, Tavernier and Goldson, the calamity show. The, That's what that was. The
0: chuckle brothers. Exactly. It was, uh, oh Derek, it's like the the good and the bad of James Ta- Tavernier in two games, isn't it? We go for his goal-scoring heroics in the game before, and his athleticism too. Just shambolic defending by him and Goldson again. I was a huge fan of Goldson, Derek. I defended him to the hilt. But the last few games, he just looked so shaky and can't do the basics correctly. The two of them, absolute shambles. But McGregor to me, Derek, how a goalkeeper who is so experienced Exactly like you said, he had narrowed the angle. He had that near post completely covered. How on earth somebody can get a shot underneath him at the near post is beyond me. It's it was absolutely shocking. And then how how many times have we said? I mean, it it, it never happens, Derek. Usually bread and butter. Ter goalkeeper that, and how he managed to, to to get the ball past him at the near. I, I honestly don't know. Is it clearly down as McGregor now getting to the stage, Derek, that his, his reactions, especially, you know, getting down like you said, you know, for diving and stuff like that, is it, is it, is, is it because he's, he's he's getting to that stage now that it's, it's more difficult? I honestly don't know. But to me, had everything covered, so how the hell it got through? I don't know. I'm still baffled by it, Derek. It was just a complete shambles by all in the defence They all need to have a good hard look at themselves, Uh, just not good enough at home to be winning 2-0 as you say, completely cruising and for Motherwell to find it so easy to to, to score the two goals against us is is just complete criminal for me.
1: I mean I'm, I'm going to take McGregor for a start here, he has been an incredible servant to us. Yep. Incredible. I mean that yep. was what twentieth year anniversary there, yeah. just there for us as well. Granted he's we sidestep, you know, in the during the banner years yep. as well. However, he's been incredible. He is the only keeper that I can see ever matching Gorham. And when we look back on his yeah. career, we'll maybe think, yeah, he was as good as Gorham. I mean, he's pulled yeah. off some incredible saves. And earlier on this season he went through a bit of bad form and then he had a runner form which was incredible, including two amazing saves in the last minute in the in the Europa League as well. But I'm sorry, he's kind of now at the stage where I think fans are looking at him as the McGregor of old, the the, the kind of 20, 25, 30-year-old McGregor pulling off wonder saves and doing everything. I'm sorry, there comes a point when he's made too many mistakes this year now. And I think he's he's cost us about eight points, I think, this season with with some of the, the ridiculous keeping. There was one against Hearts. There was obviously this one here. There was Ross County. Uh, I mean, uh, the, It's just sad to see, but we do have a ready-made keeper there. Granted, on his top form, McGregor is unbeatable, but McLaughlin is the next best thing we've got. He went through a run at the start of last season when he was immense, and I think it was 12 clean sheets he got, and obviously McGregor came back from injury. I think it's about time he gets put in now. In terms of Goldson, though, I've said it time and time again, and he had his defenders time and time again as well. Granted, last season, he was immense, the whole team were immense though and we were only getting beat by Worldies. But the same issues with Goldson from two, three, four years ago whenever it was when he, when he signed are right back in his game now because he's trying to do the fancy thing rather than just clear his lines. The team is different this year as well in terms of we've not got that same mentality of just go for it. We have got our lapses but Goldson time and time again is making the same mistakes and I'm sorry if he's not signed a new deal by now he should not get one, and his head is clearly in other places. But I'm sorry, Goldson needs out the team as well now.
0: At this moment in time, Balogun, in my my opinion, is your best central defender for uh, consistency, for no making any mistakes. So I was just absolutely baffled that he wasn't on from the start. Goldson's just, he's lost it at the moment, and, and, and the huge games... There's certain times that you think to yourself, oh, that's us, we want big battling defender. And, you know, when it comes to the aerial battles, Derek, you know he's a fantastic defender. But when you are getting guys that are able to run at them, it seems to be this players being able to cut the ball in from the byline. We seem to be looking at absolute shambles in there because we've no got McGregor that's, that's as quick anymore to dive than to try and gather it. And, you know, when you've got Tav and you've got Goldson, who just can't seem to deal with with, with low crosses into the box, it's really worrying. And I just feel that, you know, the likes of Balligan in there, you know, some of the last-ditch tackles that he'd done against Dortmund as well, getting in there to stop, why he wasn't playing, I don't know. It was it was just a shambles. The the whole of this, this this the second half, apart for the, the the two times that you know Alfredo had the ball in in the net, we just didn't look up for it whatsoever. Motherwell could smell blood; they went for it and they ended up getting the equaliser. And I'm sure as you're about to go into it, we're unlucky that they didn't score a third goal.
1: Yes, eighty uh, second minute was pressure in the Motherwell box with a shot by Arfield blocked by the defender, comes out to Goldson at the far post and saved by the keeper, and then. Unbelievably, on the 83rd minute, our first sub of the game, first and only sub of the game, Sakala off and Roof on. I mean, we needed a bit more than, than just really a like for like there. And Sakala was one of the, the more creative players in yes. the second half as well. 86th minute, the ball was crossed in from the left, evades everyone, right to Roof, lets it bounce, and that's a half volley, but right at the keeper. But 87th minute, it was a cross in from the right. Ken controls it just outside the box. He has a shot, hits off the hands of one of the Motherwell players outside the D then it went into the box, it may have hit the hand of another defender inside the box, falls to the roof, but couldn't get a shot off. And then that was it. Once again, more handballs not given.
0: Yes, exactly, well, that, Derek.
1: Yep, that is the one thing that the referee completely fucked up on that in this game. I would 100% agree on in that one there, but that's how the game ended. Really disappointing. Booze rang, rang out at full time quite rightly. So second half was just an absolute shambles. The players have got to carry the can for that. Obviously McGregor and Goldson certainly have got to carry the can for that. Really more worryingly though is the fact that when we were chasing the game, it was clear at two one we were on the back foot and the fact that we never made a substitution until 83 minutes gone. That, for me, is all on Van Bronckhorst not making the earlier changes. We've got five substitutions to use. Use them.
0: I am worrying, Derek, again, and I'm going to repeat myself again. We have so many chances to score in that game in the first half to put the game away. We don't do it. Mother will have three, was it three shots? Or three main chances in the whole of the second half and score two of them and we don't win the game where the amount of shots on target is very worrying for me we don't seem to be able to have anyone, if Alfredo doesn't score the goals Derek we don't have another striker that can put the ball in the net, I realise that Sakala did, I I, I realise that but that, you know, apart from him, we don't have another natural goal scorer in that team if you look at the players that we've got, we've got Itton and, and Sakala, who I think are very similar, they sort of direct. You've got Kamar Roof, who's not a poacher, he's not an out-and-out striker, he's another player that plays just to the, the, the side of a main striker. So we've only got Alfredo Morelos there, and I said it in the Dundee United game, we need a poacher. We need a no-frills poacher that's going to sniff about the box and get on the end of anything that can latch on to anything. And we got rid of Jermaine Defoe, a really bad move in my uh, opinion. But if we just had another player even similarly like him, a player that's just there to sniff out the goals, we would be scoring a barrel load, Derek, but we don't have that and we've got nobody to bring off the bench that can do that either. And that, for me, is really, really worrying at the moment.
1: I think the biggest thing, though, is the fact that we've went back to, you know, two seasons ago when we were only relying on Tavernier and Morelos to yes. score. You yep. look at last year, we were, goals were coming from everyone and everywhere and every position. And that is what is, for me, more worrying. Why is it suddenly reverted back? Morelos has been playing further forward really since Giovanni came back. Is it that maybe the, the issue that because he's not doing a lot of the digging work and drawing defenders out, like he was last season, he wasn't scoring a lot, but everybody else was. Maybe that's the issue. I I don't know, but... It's just worryingly. Like, uh, it's just worrying, and see, to be honest with you, there's obviously the reaction, and I know what everybody's saying, that I can appreciate it's not good enough in the slightest, with the chance with Celtic drawing Nalich exactly. against Hibbs earlier yep. on, with the chance to pull another two points back and make it only yep. one point difference. However, we've completely blown that. We've done that so many times this year from winning positions. That is not good enough. That is not the sign of a, a team that's going to win the league. What I can't stand, though, is people going on and on about Oh, we've not brought in first team players. The, the recruitment has been absolutely shocking. Nobody was saying that against Dortmund though after the Dortmund game though, were they? They were all praising them, quite rightly so, because the players that were brought in were brilliant. Whereas this time we get a bad result and it's, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater again. Oh, the fucking border shit, they've no back to manager, you know. Why have we only brought in this, that, and the other? Well, you know, you were only saying that before. That's what really frustrates me about the team. You can't really judge that on a game-to-game basis. You need to judge the recruitment at the end of the season. You can't really judge it now. Yes, there'll be a big massive post-mortem if we don't win the league and fingers will be pointed. People's heads might need to roll for that. But you can't judge that during the, during the season after you know one great game and then one bad game. It's pathetic, to be honest.
0: I think the frustrating thing is, Derek, that's two Sundays in a row that we have dropped four points in total in the last two games, two games that we have been dominant with chances on goal and we've only been able to score three goals in total out of, I mean, oh, i actually lose count of them a clear-cut chances that we've had in both games. The chances, I mean, we, we, if, if you think about it, we have stopped Motherwell and Dundee United from creating chances, but they've still managed to score the goals, the, the chances that, that they've created, whereas in comparison to us we've not. I think that that's their biggest problem. Derek, I know you were t- talking about the defence and how bad McGregor is. The biggest p- problem for me, especially in the league, at this moment in time, is finding another person that can come in and score goals, rather than Alfredo Morelos, or rather than you know re- relying on sort uh, of. Worldies, or you know, for for certain other players, we we need some somebody else in there. It was Roof last season when Stephen Gerrard was there, but Roof's getting played in a different position, and I honestly don't think that Van Bronckers fancies him. But it was Roof last season that was Chipman, where a lot of the goals for us, and of course we had Defoe as well. I keep mentioning his name as well that that we can bring on to score it, and he done that a few times for us last year, Derek, but. We've just not got that now, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the solution is uh, because we can't bring any players in now. I don't know if there's any, anybody else. If you, you know, you can try. I honestly don't know. We've got two guys that you know. We've got Roy, Roy Mackay in there. That's like a sort of assistant coach that was, you know, a fantastic striker. I, I would like to think he, he's, he's obviously done worked well. Well, Fredo Morales. I just hope he can has an influence can rub off on another striker, so we're not just relying on him all the time to
1: score. Yeah. Anyway, we're in danger of turning our two game podcast into no, longer no, than no, a no, four no. game, so we'll we'll move on now. Yeah. On the table we've played 28, one 19, drawn 7, lost 2, scored 58, conceded 24, goal difference plus 34 and on 64 points. So we're still 3 behind Celtic with a 9 less goal difference. So it's not all over, but we really need to win every single game. Yep. As I said though, it's all in our hands because there's still two old firm games to go. We'll see what happens there. Games to come though, we've got first game is tomorrow night or tonight as as you hear it. Wednesday the 2nd of March is away to St. Johnson in the press. That's a 1945 kickoff. Ramsey, Davis, Ahmad, Jack and Halander all confirmed out. So there's a lot of rumours floating about the now that a lot of them might have COVID. So I don't know what all the ins and outs are there. It's, certainly they'll be back soon, or some of them, and there's no been any details of any injuries. Uh, so it's really frustrating that there, but we, we need to go with it. Saturday the 5th of March at home to Aberdeen in the Premiership, that's a 1500 kick-off, I'll unfortunately miss that one, Thursday the 10th of March at home to Red Star Belgrade, Europa League last 16 leg one, that's an 8 o'clock kick-off, Sunday the 13th of March away to Dundee in the Scottish Cup quarter-final, now that had been moved obviously because of us progressed the last 16, that's a 4 o'clock kick-off, a shitty time as usual. Thursday the 17th of March, awaited Red Star Belgrade in the second leg of the Europa League last 16. That's a seventeen forty five 45 kickoff. And then to round out March, Sunday the 20th of March, awaited to Dundee in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff. So, all to play for. you will be hoping for three points in every single game. But the way that we're contriving to throw away games, who's yes, who knows?
0: Exactly, Derek. I'm not making any predictions whatsoever. We'll just have to take each game as they come. But your guess is <laughs> as good as mine just <laughs> now, isn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah. So now we will go into the classic match.
2: And then it is! The final whistle's gone! Rangers have won the European Cup Winners'
1: Cup! So Dave, you're going for a 5 goal thriller this game, aren't you?
0: I certainly am, Derek. I found an absolute cracker. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. This was me going back to my youth, as far back as I can sort of remember Rangers. Fantastic lineup that Rangers had. It was great watching them. It was the Skull Cup, the, the League Cup, it was known as the Skull Cup semi final match. It was played on the 19th of September 1989 against Dunfermline and the Rangers team that day a t- tremendous team that day Chris Woods, Gary Stevens, Stuart Monroe, Richard Gough Ray Wilkins, Terry Butcher Trevor Stephen, Derek Ferguson Ali McCoyst, Mo Johnson and Mark Walters on the bench for Rangers, Kevin Drinkle and Ian Ferguson Dunfermline lined up with Ian Westwater Robertson, Doug Rugvey, Norrie McCarthy, Tierney Abercrombie, Farmingham Estevan, Cosma, Jack, O'Boyle and Irons. So the Rangers team then, Derek, that was the team I sort of fell in love with. Really, when I saw the game, I was really looking forward to it. So uh, Rangers at that stage were aiming for the fourth consecutive League Cup final. Back in those days, it was sort of known as our cup at that point, And Rangers really started off on the front foot and the first real chance was some fantastic play involving Monroe McCoyst over to Johnson, then to Derek Ferguson he had a shot from the edge of the box which was saved by Westwood we were really unlucky there and then Ray Wilkins commanding the midfield, he just seemed to pick up any sort of loose balls, loose passes that were going a and he was great at that, Ray Wilkins spreading the ball about for the, 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 the middle of the park absolutely fantastic to watch him and then on the 11th minute Rangers took the lead
2: here's Walters holding off awful of boil to find Munro played on there by McCoys for Johnston here's McCoy again for Trevor Stephen a superb opening goal from Rangers the 12th minute of the match created by the twin strikers McCoist and Johnston and finished by Stephen there was Monroe playing it in. The head flick on came from McCoist. Return ball from Mo Johnston. There's McCoist again. Stephen supporting in the middle, taking it on the volley with the left foot, and Westwater had no chance at all.
0: Excellent goal. Stuart Monroe on the left wing. He puts a cross into Mo Johnston. He wins the header, and the head the head goes to Ali McCoist on the edge of the box. He lays the ball off to Trevor Stephen, who controls the ball on his chest. Into the box and hits a fantastic shot past Westwater to make it 1-0 to Rangers. Excellent early goal there. And then another good chance. A few minutes after that, Mo Johnson on the break on the left wing. He puts the cross in the alley. McCoy's to lays off Stephen again. Almost identical, but there's a tackle the ball's picked up by Walters, who then puts the ball out to Ali McCoy on so the right-hand side of the box. He lays the ball off to Gary in the right wing-back area. He hits a shot straight at Westwater. Unlucky there, still 1-0 to Rangers. And then McCoy on the right wing, not long after that, he puts a great cross into Mo Johnson. He gets the header, jumps up. Just about to head the ball, he goes up with a tackle with McAfee and the ball goes just over the crossbar there, really unlucky. And then Mark Walters, tremendous play, running it at the defenders, he sees Westwater off his line, decides to go for the chip, chips it and dinks it right over the goalkeeper. It would have been a stunning goal, unfortunately, it cannons off the bar, bounces down and Dunfermline managed to clear it so Rangers really going all out here for the second goal and on the 35th minute that is when the second goal came
2: Stephen's inside, here's Steven. now Goff there's Johnston the flying header for Rangers second the smile of delight from Johnston well a penalty box man at his best Walters playing it in. The misunderstanding between McCarthy and Westwater. confirming now are never out of trouble. There was Westwater challenging. The overhead clearance reaching Richard Goff. There was Stevens Set up there by Stephen for And look at this flying header from Boris Johnston.
0: It's just constant pressure. Mark Walters with a cross which was stabbed away. Out to Ali McCoist. He lays the ball off to Gary Stephen. Stevens. He then finds Trevor Stephen, who then plays the ball to Richard Gough at the corner of the box. Goff put, Richard Gough puts in a fantastic cross into the box, and there's Mo Johnson with a diving header. Fantastic pass Westwater. That made it 2-0 to Rangers. Tremendous play. No more than Rangers deserved at that stage. We're all over Dunfermline. And then Still going for it A few minutes later A great chance Mark Walters on the left wing He puts a cross It's dummied by Mo Johnson It falls straight to Trevor Stephen Completely unmarked He strikes it low But a fantastic save by Westwater To keep it out of the net Still 2-0 But then 5 minutes before half time On the 40th minute Rangers get the third
2: Here's Gary Stephens Delicate ball inside Here's Johnston there's McCoyst And that was a classic McCoyst takes a salute to the fans Walters was there to make sure But there was Gary Stevens Returning it to Johnston a look at the quality of this first time pass In came McCoyst The header against the balance of Westwater And the ball was in before Walters reached it
0: a cross into Mo Johnson on the right-hand side of the box. Instead of going for the shot, he puts a first-time cross into Ali McCoy who rises above everyone and nods the ball past Ian Westwater into the goal. Absolutely fantastic. And at that stage that was Mo Johnson involved in every single goal for Rangers. He was having a sensational goal. A half-time whistle is blown. Rangers playing some absolutely stunning football and three goals to the good. So, excellent first half. So, then into the second half, Rangers start the second, just as they finished the first. Ali McCoy, so a glaring chance as he passes the ball just past the post for close range. Really un- un- unlucky there. And that was after an incredible pass Along the ground by Ray Wilkins to to pick him out. Really unlucky there. A few minutes later, a chance. Mark Walters picks up the ball from a Trevor Stephen cross. He shoots it low, but it's a great save by Ian Westwater. Then just after that, as a sub, Ray Wilkins goes off. He'd had a fantastic game. And Ian Ferguson comes on to take his place. And just after that, a cross by Trevor Stephen on the right hand side to McCoyce, a diving head that it was deflected past for a corner really really un- unlucky there and then Mo Johnson gets the ball into the back of the net from that corner but he was judged offside unfortunately but on the 77th minute we get the fourth goal and it was the classic Johnson McCoist
2: partnership Tierney had to be careful well that's great play by Stephen here's Morris Johnston with queuing up in the middle McCoy's made it! And once again, Johnston plays a vital role in the build-up. 13 minutes from the end. A very quick throw taken there by Trevor Stephen. Johnston took up good position, looked up, measured the pass, and in goes Ali McCoys for his second of the night.
0: A quick throw in by Trevor Stephen... Mo Johnson on the right wing, completely unmarked He runs into the box and just passes the ball low, Right across the face of the goal and their super alley to slide in at the back post Simple goal, but Rangers really in command Fantastic, 4-0 Rangers And in two minutes before the end of the game Rangers get their fifth
2: making with the Johnston dropping in deep And across, kept in by Walters Ian Ferguson It's drilled home by Ferguson Two minutes from the end Well he's shown his shooting power With his right foot many times But this is taken with the left It was Gary Stevens with that far flung cross Beyond Westwater Pulled back here by Mark Walters It was Trevor Stevens who set it up for Ian Ferguson Westwater had no answer
0: it was great play. Mark Walters on the left wing. He gets to the byline, thinks the ball to the penalty spot. Trevor Stephen gets the ball, lays it off to Ian Ferguson, who smashes the ball past Ian Westwater. Fantastic team goal again by Rangers. And then on the 90th minute, a last chance here. Mo Johnson with a great shot after a fantastic 1-2 with Gabby Stevens, but unfortunately straight at Ian Westwater. The game finished. Rangers winning 5-0. There were so many fantastic players on show for Rangers, but the man of the match had to be Mo Johnson involved in four out, out of the five goals in some way. There was just at that that team back then, Derek, when I look back and I see some of the players and the way that Rangers played, it was constant crosses in, into the box, playing with two strikers. It was a joy to watch back then. Mark Walters was sensational. Trevor Steven. Was uh, was an absolute class act. It was form like that. that got him his big move to Marseille before he came back to Rangers. Ray Wilkins as well. And, you know, just like the, the maestro in midfield. You know, it, it, even although he was like the veteran player, picking up the ball, spreading it about. It was brilliant to watch. And then the McCoist Johnson partnership up front, absolutely brilliant. If you get the chance, please go back and watch it. It was a real. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It was great. Writing the notes to the game Because I couldn't remember exactly what happened It was uh, such a long time ago But just a fantastic game to watch
1: Yes, always good going back And watching games that I wasn't even Really aware of Because
0: I've
1: <laughs> only been about a wee nipper at that point
0: And me being such an old bastard That I'm able to uh, comment on these things Derek, that's what uh, you're thinking was wanting to
1: say Dave Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, another great game And Dave will be back with another one Next time So we'll now go into the news. So something I don't really want to cover, but it's going to uh, kind of does touch on us slightly is the, the preliminary hearing for the class action lawsuit brought by the survivors of the Celtic child abuse. They have been granted permission to sue the club. As I said, I am really not wanting to go into the ins and outs of this as it's really not a point scoring or gloating exercise at all but ultimately this could have huge ramifications for not only Celtic but the Scottish game as well. What I want to do get into though is Celtic's lawyer argued that they wanted the Survivor's case to be thrown out as Celtic's case would not have a fair trial due to Celtic not having certain documents which would basically prove they were a separate entity. So think about that for a minute. Basically, they've claimed for decades that Celtic and Celtic Boys Club are a separate entity, but they've just admitted in court that they don't actually have proof that they're a separate entity. Yeah, I mean, I know they're trying to get out of it, but that is just absolutely mind-boggling. Celtic have issued a, st- a statement tonight as well, still maintaining that they're a separate entity. Now, For me, it's not going to be a case of if, it's going to be a case of how much now, given what the the, the judge's ruling was on bringing the hearing forward as well. This is going to be bigger than Penn State, and they made films about Penn State. It's astonishing that brands have deserted players over rumours and accusations, yet the same hasn't been done for actual convictions at Celtic yet. This is all about justice. This is not about us gloating or point scoring or anything like that, which is kind of funny when any time when a Rangers fan does comment, some Celtic fans try and point score with the whole kneeling and done thing, which has already been done to death at that one there. This is about justice for the victims. Some of them don't even want money. This is about recognition of what went on. And still, despite what a judge has just said about the evidence, Celtics still maintain that they're a separate entity. I don't know when the court case is going to be. It's going to be probably at some point this year. We'll find out what happens then. But this could have huge ramifications. As I said, not for Celtic, but for Scottish football.
0: It is Derek. It's it's going to be a test case, like you say. We don't want to talk too too much about it. We we, we don't want to uh, become involved now that uh, you, you know the legal proceedings have, have been allowed to, to to go ahead. So. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. We all have our opinions, Derek. We all know what gets said and what gets thrown back and forward. And, you know, we, we, we all know what, what Rangers fans are, 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 are being accused of. We're all quite disgusted with some of the things that get said as well. It's, uh, it's all going to be out in the open, Derek. There's going to be a lot that we're going to find out about it. And, as I say, I'm not going to say too too much more. We we'll, we will wait and see what comes in the in, in in the months ahead. Like you said, we don't know when it's all all going to be starting, but it's uh, it's going to be in in the news everywhere. Even Radio Clyde were covering it tonight for the first time that I've ever heard them talking about it during the whole time that uh, you know the allegations were there. So we'll wait and see what happens with that one, Derek.
1: However, it kind of leads into the next story that kind of broke today. Nothing, the reports were this morning, and there's nothing been official about this yet, state that Rangers and Celtic are to hold a friendly in Australia in November, when the international break would be on for the World Cup. Now, Celtic have confirmed that they're travelling out and they're going to be playing a four-team tournament. Never said who the other three teams are. And nothing about us either. And we haven't confirmed anything either. Now, funny that this story comes out when the Celtic Boys Club story came out as well. It's not the first time that they've tried to deflect with another story. And my point is, if, and it's a big if this is true, it's incredibly short-sighted from the club here. I'm a bit concerned the fact that it would take two minutes to release a statement saying we are not travelling. So I think there might be some sort of truth in it. Now, what I don't understand is that not only do Celtics refuse to use the old firm brand, they constantly have cheap digs. And then what's coming from them, you know, after the court case today, they're an absolute toxic brand, not just in a metaphorical sense, but a literal yeah. one as well. So what really concerns me is the fact that if Rangers are going to do this and there is going to be a, a friendly between both of us over there. However, what I really am annoyed at is in this day and age of complete bullshit made-up stories from journalists who, granted, they've got a blue tick, they're believing this hook, line and sinker. Like, you know, we all know, don't trust whatever you read in The Sun or the the Daily Record. As soon as there's a, a potential story that might affect us, they're, they're away believing it. There is nothing being confirmed yet, and we're already criticising the board, and we're going mental at the board and saying that it should be a sack and offence to whoever sanctioned this. If people cast their minds back to last year at the start of the pre-season, we were involved in a four-team tournament with Celtic as well. It was the Viola Cup. There was two games. Not one of them was against Celtic. So Mm -hmm. it might be something as simple as that, which is absolutely fine. We're not playing Celtic. And from what I understand is it's only came from one journalist and all the red tops have ran with it. And saying it's fact that, all oh, Rangers and Celtic are probably going to be playing each other. That's not been said whatsoever. So I think people, when they see a story online, they need to calm their jets a bit. Pull back. Has the club sanctioned this yet? Have they said anything? Has the people in the know got any details about it yet? I just think sometimes fans are too quick to come to rash judgments, calling for everybody's head and saying this is a disgrace. Nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it happens, it is a disgrace. It shouldn't be happening. But... Let's get to that stage first
0: let's say that it is to go ahead Derek and I find it farcical because this would be played like a training game or a friendly it certainly isn't a, going to be a recognized tournament when have there is there ever been a Rangers Celtic game that's been like a friendly or played like that never it'd be a complete farce in my in my opinion. As you say, I don't know where everybody's jumping on the bandwagon here for what one person said. I hope it's a lot of bollocks. I really do. I, exactly the same as you, I don't think we should be associating ourselves with Celtic at all. It's farcical as well for the fact that it would be so far far away to travel. Also, I I don't see, you know, logistically what they would be thinking about for, you know, for, for, for doing it. I just, there's too many negatives for me, Derek, and I just hope it's a lot of rubbish.
1: Well, yeah, I think when the, when it comes to travel it's going to be like a, a, a the winter break is getting pulled forward and we're all stopping apparently in, in November between four and six weeks I think it is while the World Cup's on so that issue there is no not really an issue we're going to be probably travelling to a, 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 a camp anyway for training
0: If it is a, a World Cup though Derek surely there could be a chance that there could be key players missing anyway well, if yeah, the World so it's, Cup's on So
1: Yeah well it's only ever going to be a friendly so that's, exactly.
0: and that's the point when's a Rangers-Celtic game ever been a friendly Derek?
1: Well, exactly, Absolutely
0: yeah. r- ridiculous. So I, I I hope that that's a lot. Of, it's, it, it seems like a complete a madness to me, to be perfectly honest with you. So I hope it's a lot of rubbish. Yeah,
1: I mean, let's just calm down everyone because yeah. that's what really rips my net yeah. when you see that kind of crap out online. But anyway, next one here. As Juan Alegria has moved to Patrick yep. Thistle on loan until the end of the season. For me, it's a really strange one. Ar- arguably, yeah, it's good for his development, I think, but it doesn't really say much for the whole point of the Lowland League experiment then. They're not getting a proper proper development. I mean, he's 19. How much more development does he need to, to get into our first team? A comparison, and now granted, he's going to be clearly a world superstar and a, a completely different le- level. But Jude Billingham is only 18. And look where he is. As I said, granted, completely different level. There comes a point when you just need to trust your development team and give them a chance in the first team. And if they fly, they fly. If they don't, they don't. And he's not really the only one who deserves a wee chance. You know, there's a few players. But we're getting into the business end now, so I can understand why he's going out rather than coming into our team now. But when we're lacking the ability Gold. to score... Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not just give him a run-out?
0: Exactly, yeah. And I think he would be given... I think any of the young players, Derek, are easily forgiven if they do miss a chance here and there or, or, or miss a few. And then if they do actually score, they're heralded as being, you know, absolutely sensational. So I don't think it's that much a risk to put a young player in because we are very forgiven with the young players, Derek. So... Uh, it's a bit a a strange one for me, I'd be thinking that he's possibly too good to be playing in the Lowland League but still want to, you you know for for him to have a a harder test that's how how he's went there have Partick Thistle specifically came in and asked if they can take him on loan because they're needing him and and maybe thinking that it's going to be good, good for them and We've been thinking it's going to be mutually beneficial. I honestly don't know, but like you, we're struggling to score goals, and we've got a young guy there that was scoring goals for fun in Finland, just like what Morellas was at the time. Why are we not giving him a wee shot in the first team? It's it, it's a, it's a very strange one for me as well, Derek. It's something that
1: Gerard. He was very disappointing, on. considering when Gerard came to us, his previous job was the academy coach, yeah. the first team coach there. So he should know what it is to to bleed youngsters through. But, you know, hopefully it's not going to start again with Van Bronckhurst and, you know, Dave Voss there. Considering where Dave Voss has come from as well.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: Next thing, Rangers have commissioned a full-scale replica of the Cup Winners' Cup to commemorate the 50th anniversary of us winning it. It's to sit in the new museum within Edmundsdon House when it opens. So I'm really amazed that we had had never commissioned one previously.
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent. That's, you know... um, uh, arguably our, our, our greatest ever achievement, Derek, so uh, like you, I'm surprised it's not happened before, but that's excellent, that'll be a, a, a spectacle you know, when that goes in, so, yeah, so that's excellent.
1: Yep. Next thing, Rangers have unveiled a limited edition home top for our Legends match, it's absolutely stunning, I wish Castor would just keep doing remakes of, of old strips because they get them spot on compared to yeah. what some of them they've got this year, it's our fifth top this year though,
0: that's, that's, I mean <laughs> At what £65 a pop I think so yeah
1: <laughs> Now on that note I ordered a couple of things From the club website Last Tuesday Got the confirmation email Through Said that it would be They would send another email When my order's ready I'm still waiting Oh dear
0: Right
1: Five, okay. £5.50 for postage Well that is pish poor But anyway we'll see I'll, I'll maybe wait another day Before I, I send a wee email Yeah and the last piece of news here I've got is there was a meeting of Premiership clubs yesterday uh, relating to VAR. It lasted less than an hour. No details other than the fee has mysteriously jumped from round about sixty to eighty thousand pounds per year for the Premiership clubs to one hundred and
0: eighteen thousand pounds. Okay.
1: You're not going to get people voting for that then if if you're just no. going to keep jumping the cost up. That, no. to me, reeks of the fact that the SFA have decided we're not putting any money in and you, all the clubs have got to do it if they want it. This is what happens when you've got a governing body who are not fit for purpose.
0: It's, uh, that's a strange one, Derek, as you say. It was, it was always getting quoted as being that sort of price range. And now, of a sudden, it's jumped right up. You know, absolutely spot on. There's no way that, that, you know, the vast majority of the clubs will want that if it's going to have jumped up at least sort of, you know, 40 grand almost. So uh, that's very strange. Yes.
1: So, 37 year old virgin gets six foot string stuck in his penis during sex game. (laughs) What? A 37-year-old virgin ended up in a predicament after getting a six-foot nylon string stuck inside his penis during an unsuccessful sex game. The unnamed man was participating in a sex stunt before the string got lodged in his urethra and ended up having to have it removed while he was under local anaesthetic. The patient's unfortunate situation was documented in the Medical Journal of Radiology Case Reports, which explained how the man used the string, which he usually used to thread beads onto while fully erect and watched the pornographic video. According to reports, it was the first time he performed this, although the study noted that he did watch porn and masturbate every day. <laughs> <laughs> did they know that? After experiencing problems urinating after and severe abdominal pain which lasted two hours, the man went to hospital in Indonesia, which is obviously where he came from. After an unsuccessful attempt to remove the string, doctors decided to insert a camera into the man's bladder, which showed a black bundle of string, which meant that medics were able to use forceps after giving him local anaesthetic. Oh. A near two metre nylon string was extracted from the patient's bladder. <laughs>
0: two metres?
1: Two metres, yes.
0: How, I'm trying to understand how he how managed to get I'm, I'm totally I'm totally uh, confused Derek
1: It must have felt good until it did <laughs> I really don't want to try that
0: <laughs> Next question I've got for you is how did you know he was a virgin Dave <laughs> Derek you and your stories that's what I've got to say
1: I'm actually at a loss with that one, to be honest. <laughs> it's not usually I'm um, speechless after these
0: stories. There's so, but there's so many questions, Derek, but I don't think we should go down that road.
1: don't think I want the answers, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we will yep. end the podcast. So as ever, you can go to our website, which is ireadypodcast.wordpress.com and there you can find all of last season stuff, or some of last season stuff had before, none of this season so, uh, but you can also go to all the usual podcast outlets as well as our social media sites at Facebook and Twitter so Dave, we need these results simple as, I think we've done what we can in Europe, if we get results in Europe, fantastic you never know Dave though, if we win the Europa League we're into that pot of money at the end of <laughs> the, the Champions League anyway, so you could look I at it that fair. way
0: I don't think that we're uh, I, I don't think we should bank on that though. I think a no. uh, 100% all the effort should be on winning the league this year. It's a massive massive league title f- for us this season and and for the winners you know the 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 pot of gold at the end, you know for wh- whoever wins it it's going to be absolutely massive all the work that we've done in Europe over the last few few seasons to make this happen. We need to have that mentality that we are the champions and we're going to defend our crown and we're going to win it. I really hope that the players step up, Derek. I really do.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, thanks for listening and goodbye.
0: Take care, folks. Goodbye. And
2: the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it.
0: Let's go. Grace
2: yourself shut up